Welcome to Pure Hustle Podcast. I'm Mike. And this is Orlando, and we're on episode 339, a themed episode. Yeah, and I love that intro, man. We we only have that intro normally on our uh, Monday minis. Uh, so having that having that for our, our random remote recordings, man, it just gets me pumped. I love it. Does it really? No, I, yeah. saw you, I saw you jamming while, while you're letting it play. Yeah. I'm watching the Backstage, I'm like head bobbing. It's, it's good. It's go. good. Let us know in the comments. Uh, uh, which which intro do you prefer? Just the just the music with the our logo, or like the kind of hip hop with the with all the fancy stuff happening? If you're just listening on the podcast and you've never seen the like intro video to our uh, Monday minis, go check it out. It's pretty fun. That is true. Like people that have been listening to the podcast for this long have never heard that beat except for last week and this week. They're like, "What's going on?" Yeah, because they're so used. I I do like our old beat though. I think it's we got to stay on brand. But anyway, that's for another day. All right, so today. Okay, let me talk about why we're talking about this today. So I, I reached a dark place <laughs> in reselling uh, for the last, I don't know, let's say probably the last three, four months. Uh, we've been talking about how, you know, economy's not doing so well. You can tell Q4 wasn't strong. January was bad. February was brutal. And sometimes in those moments, you have to take a time of self-reflection. And I started thinking, like, what what is going on, right? Obviously, whatever I'm doing is not working. And I finally came to the realization that it's not working because we're no longer in a seller's economy, or some people call it a seller's market, where, you know, 2018, when we started the podcast, you know, through the whole, you know, situation where people couldn't leave their homes, uh, to about probably last year, it was a seller's economy. Right. We could demand prices. Uh, we we didn't have to do certain things like people were just coming to buy. Right. Whether it was because of the stimulus checks, whether it was because not that many people knew about reselling uh, there. You know, there were thrift stores, but even the thrift stores prices weren't that high. And it was very much a seller's economy. And what I think my problem was when I started reflecting, it was maybe I have it all wrong. You know, maybe everything I was doing worked for a little while, not long, not for a little while, for a long while, for about the four or five years of my last full-time reselling, and it's time to think differently. And so what I did is, is I uh, ended up uh, putting some deep discounts in my store, and I ended up taking all kinds of offers. I ended up doing everything I can uh, or could uh, to make those sales and I've had my best month probably since 2020 or at least since last July. Yeah, which makes sense. I mean, can you imagine had you have done that in a in a seller's market, you would have sold even more. Uh, but we're definitely in a we're, we're definitely in a different time frame. And there's good and bad to this, right? You know, if you're if you're a buyer, uh, you're you're definitely happy that we're moving in some ways more towards a, a buyer's market. You know, when you look at things like uh, TVs and electronics at stores, they're going for deep discounts. Uh, house prices, I don't think they're ever going to go down to what they were, you know, 2008, 2009. But but I do think that even with the rising interest rates, we're seeing house prices. like So just in general, this economy that we're in, uh, it doesn't just affect resellers. It's affecting, you know, every aspect. And so there's going to be times when you're the buyer and that's helpful. And then there's going to be times when, like us, you're trying to sell and you got to realize that things just have to be different, right? The way you're going to operate is going to be different. You got to realize... Yeah, you got to realize where we were and where we're going and how to how to adapt into that. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. We're talking about 
what, what's it like reselling in a buyer's market or a buyer's economy uh, where things are just different than they were a few years ago? And you know, for some people who've been reselling for a long time, you've been through many of these cycles because n- none of this is permanent, right? You never go through, you know, nothing but expansion or nothing but retraction in economies. There's going to be seasons of both. It's it's pretty cyclical. So it's it's just a good idea for us to kind of be aware of what to expect, how to adapt to it. And then, you know, eventually we can swing back over towards that that seller's economy. And, and it was it was tough. I got to tell you, a lot of you are going to listen to this today and you're going to walk away going, no, I'm not doing this. I'm not going to change. I'm not going to adapt. A lot of you are going to go, Orlando, I told you so. Mike, I told we told you. Well, I don't know. Mike, Mike's always been kind of like a fast, fast nickel kind of guy too. But, you know, there's going to be some of you that are going to go, okay, I've been I've been doing this wrong too for this last time. And it, it's going to take a shift. I think, you know, last year I talked about, you know, a lot of resellers, uh, are, are, are it's going to be their toughest year. I think this year, for those that don't adapt, it's going to be sink or swim. I think that's what it is. And, and you know, when I had this moment of reflection, I, I had to go, all right, either I'm going to make things happen or I'm going to have to leave reselling at least full time. I'm going to have to go part time. I'm going to have to pick up a nine to five. I have kids I have to take care of. I have, you know, crazy San Diego right rent 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 prices I have to pay. I have, you know, car payments, I have bills. Like I, I'm a real reseller. This is what I do for a living. Like Mike and I make a little bit, you know, off of off of YouTube and the podcast and all that. But when it comes down to it, like reselling is my main source of income. And so this was tough. And the reason it was tough, because I was so used to doing things a certain way. So let's talk about how things work. Right. Because if you're doing these things, that means you're still stuck in a seller's economy and you're still trying to do things the way they were. And I I don't believe that's the way it is anymore. So the very first thing is something that, you know, was was talked about for a long time. uh, For those of you that have been reselling for at least five plus years, it's the idea of list it and forget it. Right. You just find something, you list it. You don't care how long it takes. You're going to list it high and you're just going to wait for that right buyer. And, and the problem with that is you may be waiting for that right buyer. It could be if we end up in an era of stagflation, you'd be waiting seven years for that right buyer. You could be waiting two years, three years, and that's money that's tied up and you're not going to be making those sales. Yeah. And, and one of the reasons why that that list it and forget it uh, kind of worked then and, and and not so much now uh, isn't what that, that that was always just the best policy because maybe it would have been better if you're trying to get sales to come in to make sure your price is competitively as possible instead of as like high of price as you can and and still potentially get a sell. But because so many other things were selling, right? If you've got 500 items in your eBay store, you got a thousand items in your eBay store, you can kind of set it and forget it for a good number of those, and you're going to be fine because some of those things are going to be selling, and at a high enough price, you're going to be fine. In our, our current situation, people aren't looking for that. Uh, they're they're looking for better deals. So in the past, you know, people you could kind of set uh, the highest price, maybe not extremely high. Maybe everybody else in that is like you know 80s. You set it at 100 uh, with best offer, and you take better pictures. And there's a good chance that yours would still sell. Sometimes even before some of the lower price ones, because you know we've talked about the psychology of people thinking something if it's more expensive, it must be more valuable or must be a better condition. Uh, so there's that aspect of it. Um, and other people have the money to spend, so they'll, they'll they're not as concerned about that. They're not 
going to spend time looking at every single possible other one to see if there's one they can get cheaper. But now people are looking for those deals. People want the deals. And so if your price is even $5 higher than the competitors, and it takes them extra five minutes to find one that's comparable, uh, whatever it is you're selling, whatever widget it is or collectible, if it's a little bit cheaper somewhere else, they'll spend the time looking for it and not buy from you. Whereas before, they would buy from you because like you mentioned, the 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 markets were doing so well. People had money. Uh, people were getting raises. People were getting stimulus checks. People were getting like the money was flowing. And so it was whatever. I'll pay five extra dollars. I like this one. It looks cool. I'm buying it now. So this, the, the list didn't forget it. It's not going to work in the same way because you've got to consistently be checking to make sure that your your prices are competitive compared to your competitors. And then also you can't be that highest price and think that, hey, people are going to think this is the most valuable item because it's the highest price. It's not the one that's going to be set in the market. It's going to be those lower prices setting the market tone. And and I got to tell you, even hearing you say that bothers me, right? Because if you listen to our early podcast, like in the episodes one through 100, <laughs> a lot of the times I'm always a fan of, hey, you got a list high. It's a, you know, it's a value proposition. People are recognizing that you are different than the rest, that you have more to offer, that your your item is is legit. You're going to ship well. You're going to accept a return. You're going to do all these different things. And it's okay for you to command a little bit more money. And I don't believe that's the case anymore. Uh, you know, this idea of, I used to always say, hey, it doesn't matter how high my price is as long as I have the best offer, right? Because if somebody wants to give an offer, they'll give an offer. But that's not the, I don't believe that's the case anymore. I think I think that time is done, uh, at least for a little while. Because because like you said, if they're going to have to send an offer to get the price they want, they'd rather go to somebody else who's, you know, price more competitively and, and, and they don't have to think more about it. Uh, there's this theory, this uh, theory in uh, economics called elasticity. I'm not trying to get too technical here. Do you remember that elasticity from your uh, economic days in high school? Yep. Yep. All right. So elasticity, right. is basically, I'm going to, I'm going to mess this up, but correct me in the comments, but it's the idea that uh, prices, right. Change, right. They, they expand based on the demand of an item. Right. And so, you know, there are certain items that it doesn't matter how high the price goes, people are still willing to buy. Right. So, for example, gas. Right. It doesn't matter if gas in California for me is four dollars or eight dollars. I'm still going to get gas. Now, I may limit how much I drive. I may limit where I go, but I'm still going to buy that gas because I'm willing to pay for that gas because it's something I, I need or maybe something I want. I want to travel. But if it's, you know, Let's say a baseball jersey. It was a hundred bucks, but right now, you know, with the economy, with inflation, maybe a lot of people are laid off. A lot of people aren't necessarily willing to pay a hundred dollars for that anymore. And if it's it's if it's listed a hundred bucks with best offer, they may not even be looking at it because it's not something that they want to deal with. But if they see that same jersey priced at sixty dollars. You know they're willing to say, okay, you know what, uh, I, I'm I'm willing to expand my pockets a little bit and, and make that purchase uh, there. So you you really got to be careful. And I still am doing best offer. I'm not saying don't do best offer, but you got to be careful that you're you're not pricing yourself out of the view of even uh, the buyer that's looking for an item. Yeah, and, and that kind of leads up to the next point. And I like the even the analogy used with the gas because. Um, one of the things that it used to to be, I mean, 
there's always exceptions and there's always, you know, exceptions to the rule. But five, 10 years ago, things like offering uh, free returns or offering returns or how much you charge for shipping was less of an issue. Now, there are always going to be people who are, are looking for the deal. There's always going to be people who are going to coupon. There's always, I remember growing up, my parents used to, they knew which gas stations would be three cents cheaper per gallon and they would wait and drive to that gas station instead of getting the one. And it's like, yeah, but like, it's, you're really talking about 30 cents by the time you filled up your car difference. But to them, it made a difference, right? So there are always going to be people who are going to, that matter to, you know, whether or not the shipping was $8.99 or whether the shipping was $10.99, some people pay attention to those things. Some people are just like, hey, money's coming in. I'm not too concerned about the prices. Uh, I think that was more of the case five years ago. Uh, things like Amazon kind of shook up the bubble with uh, like shipping because people started to expect free shipping uh, on everything. But even still, like that, that, that concept kind of goes in or even returns. People were less concerned. Hey, I'm buying this $20 item. Um, does it accept returns? They, people were less concerned about that when money was free flowing, when, when they had more access. When money is easy to access, you're not as concerned about conserving it. Uh, but once you start to think that, hey, maybe this money is more limited than it was before, then you're going to start conserving and you're going to be thinking like, hey, I hope they offer returns because what if it doesn't work? I, I could use that 20 bucks. 20 bucks now means a lot more to me today than 20 bucks did a few years ago. And I just was like, yeah, 20 bucks, whatever. No, agreed. Agreed. And again, it, it all ties into this elasticity of demand. Let me just read the definition just so I got this right so y'all can understand. And again, hopefully you stay tuned with us. You know, one thing Mike and I are very big on is is this is relates to macroeconomics. Like, there, you know, we could be a podcast that just talks about here's some items to look for. Here's what happened. But in these theme episodes, Mike and I like to, you know, get into uh, deep topics to, to talk about recently because it does affect what we do. So the price of elasticity of demand, according to Investopedia, is the elasticity of demand refers to the degree which demand responds to a change in an economic factor, right? Kind of what we're dealing with now. Price is the most common economic factor used when determining elasticity. Other factors include income level and substitute availability. Elasticity measures how demand shifts when economic factors change. Right. That that's where we're at, right? Because now it, it's it's price. So everything, you know, Mike and I have just been talking about, you know, you could do the top price of best offer. That that may not work anymore because it's as our, our whole economy has changed, now it, it's about price, right? Listing it high and forgetting about it. No, it's about price. Right. Now, when it comes to charging shipping, right, it's about price still too. Because if you're you're charging you know, not not crazy shipping, but you you know, some of us resellers, we like to charge more than what it actually costs to ship at times because we like to have that, you know, that safety net. And I'm not saying don't remove that, but I know some of us, if we're honest, we go over and beyond, right? It, sometimes we charge uh, $20 more than it would normally charge to ship something because we know we have that deep eBay discount when it comes to shipping certain items. And now people are going to be looking going, all right, you know what? Uh, this is priced okay, but I'm not sure if I want to pay that shipping. I've actually had this last week. I've had people that were saying, hey, I don't mind buying this, but I don't know about the shipping. Now, some of the people I had to respond and say, unfortunately, those are the legitimate dimensions. That's really what it's going to cost. If I end up dropping my shipping price anymore, I'm going to end up losing money. And so I, I can't I can't drop the price on shipping. And some people are like, all right, that's fine. I'll still buy it. And other people are like, thank you. <laughs> I'll go find somewhere else. 
you know, so you really got to keep those things in mind. Now, talking about pricing here, the best prices for bubble wrap is American Bubble Boy. Yeah, I love American Bubble Boy. Uh, I'm packing up a bunch of stuff. Uh, obviously, I pack up things to ship all the time, but I've been packing some of the stuff that I've had kind of just in storage, trying to get it all ready for uh, a move. And I tell you what, having American Bubble Boy wrap is a, a game changer because I used to you know, have to go to Walmart or, or the U-Haul store and, and try and get bubble wrap and paper. And, and you end up paying an arm and a leg and you end up realizing, oh, I don't have as much as I thought I had and I need more and you got to drive back out. American Bubble Boy, you're getting a great price on the bubble wrap. It comes straight to your door. And if you start to realize you need more, it's coming in just a couple of days, free shipping. You need to get American Bubble Boy. Uh, we got a link down in the description below where you can get a, uh, a deal for signing up the first time. Um, and so far, pretty much everybody that we've talked to that uses American Bubble Boy, they love it. They think it's a great product. So make sure to check them out. And I just want to add one more thing. Here's the thing. We connected with Joel, the founder, years ago. And the business has exploded. But even now, you know, Joel is willing to pick up the phone and have a conversation if I need to address something. You know, hey, some of our listeners are saying this or have you thought about this? And and that, that goes a long way, right? Because American Bubble Boy is very tapped in to reselling community. It's not like you're ordering from, you know, Amazon who will never get back to you. Or you're, you're buying stuff from you know, Walmart online or whatever. American Bubble Boy is, is a is a company that started right from the beginning with resellers and has just expanded as the re market has expanded in reselling. And there's some things possibly coming uh, down the pipe here in the next few weeks. So stay tuned if, if we have news. Maybe I shouldn't have said all that, but, uh, you know, Joel is always thinking of new things. And uh, we just got some coffee from them too. So we need to share nice. about their coffee next nice. time. So, all right, hey. So how are things now, right? Let's talk about how things are now. Now, obviously, from everything that we've said here, buyers want deals. Yeah, I mean, they that, don't that, want just go ahead. I was gonna say, I mean, that's that's really the biggest thing is is w before it used to be like <clears throat> some people were like really concerned. There's always some people, but like some people were really concerned about pricing and deals. They would take yeah. the coupons and cut the coupons. They would, you know, drive the extra two miles to get the the two cent cheaper gas. But we're getting more and more to the place where where people just, they want it. They expect it for a lot of reasons. One, the economy is, is tighter. And then two, because all of these other businesses recognize that, things like Amazon, Walmart, all these other companies recognize that people are shopping for deals. These companies, in order to try and stay in the profit and not have a loss at the end of the year when they're reporting their quarterly earnings, they're offering major cuts, major discounts. And so that just sets the tone. In the same way we've talked about with Amazon, setting the tone with things like free shipping, uh, two-day shipping, all of those uh, have changed the landscape of what people mm -hmm. expect. When you're noticing that, hey, well, pretty much everywhere I shop is trying to offer crazy deals on stuff because they're trying to, I'll just go somewhere else and get... So you then are going to be expected as a reseller to be offering deals because... Walmart's offering deals. Home Depot's offering deals. Amazon, like everybody's offering deals. Timu's offering deals. Like you should be offering deals. And so it just becomes the expected, uh, partly because it's the environment that we're in. And then also because people need those deals. So they might just say, you know what? I'm not buying your, your widget uh, that you're selling because it's your not widget. a necessity. But if you sell it to me at a price I can't turn away from, then maybe I'll buy it. And, and I want to add to that extensive deals. Like I'm not saying 10% off, 15% off. 
a lot of you are going to get uncomfortable here, but I'm talking about 30 plus. I'm even talking about 50%. So, so I don't know what Mike's, what's going on through Mike's head as I say this, but I've been preaching since last year, you know, keeping costs low. And the reason you need to keep costs low, because there will come a time where you will have to majorly discount items. And if you're, you haven't kept your costs low, you're, you're going to be in a sinking ship without any reinforcements. Like you won't be able to fix. So for example, um, I ran a 50% off sale and, and at first it was uncomfortable because I'm kind of like, Ooh, like, you know, you put in the work, right? You source the item, you listed the item, but here's the deal. I, things I've, I, I picked up for 50 cents. I sold for a hundred dollars, right? I'll share that later on today as hustle of the week, you know, items I picked up for $20, I sold for $200. Right. Items I picked up for four dollars, I was selling for three hundred dollars. Right. So okay. Yeah, it maybe was your price prices were too high in the first place. Maybe, maybe. But here's the thing. I still was selling when my prices were that high. It's only been in the last six months that I just got clobbered. Right. And again, that's on me. That's for me showing up late to the party about when uh the prices need to change. Because I say a year and a half ago, I was talking about we need to raise our prices, right? Inflation's at a peak, you know, things are going to cost more and you don't end up, you don't want to end up losing money because, you know, your items are priced too low and people have more money because that's what happens in inflation, right? When inflation hits, your money loses value, right? But if the prices of things don't change, you have more buying power, right? Because because you your, your money is at a certain rate. So if the price is really low, Right. You still, you're still, I, I think I fumbled that, but yeah, that's, that was a little awkward. That's okay. Okay. All right. But you get, you get what, what I'm saying is as a reseller, you're bringing in less money when inflation hits. So I was telling everyone, Hey, raise your prices. So you're not making less money. Right. So we had talked about if you're on salary and inflation was at 8% and you're making a hundred thousand dollars a year, automatically you're only making $92,000. Right. And so in your eBay business, if your prices are st staying the same and you're making a hundred thousand a year, you're only actually making 92,000. So you need to make sure you right, raise your prices. Yeah. Well, well that's which, changed now. Uh, yeah. Well, that, that principle is still true. So I, I think it's true that the, your, the amount of money you're making is, is worth less. You can, you can do less with it. I think what you're saying, and I think this is more of like a, I don't want to say it's anecdote because it's probably what a lot of people are experiencing, but is, you just have to kind of suck it up and say, that's okay. I'm going to move things at a cheaper price Correct. and I'm going to work harder for a lower salary so that I can have the salary I need. So if, if, if it was at the point where, Hey, I used to make a hundred thousand, eight percent inflation. Now it's like I make less. Okay. But if, if, because my prices have changed or gone up instead of going down, I'm only actually making $50,000 a year because things aren't moving off the shelf. Okay. Maybe I have to lower my prices Maybe I kind of have to just suck it up and and work harder to make that hundred thousand because I still need that money. Like that's what I'm counting on getting. So it's not that, hey, like the the principle has changed. Like you really, the, in reality, you do need to make more money in order to make the same amount that you made the year before. However, um, the the when the 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 boots hit the ground, like when it's actual real and, and the rubber meets the road, you've you've got to actually make the amount of money you need to make. So the only hard part with something like that, running a 50% sale, right? Like that's great, but that's almost like an emergency situation in that if you continue to do that, and let's say you're you're moving inventory out of your system 
twice as fast as you used to in order to make the same amount that you made or close to the same amount you used to make, eventually you're going to run out of inventory. It's like a it's like a stopgap. You can only do it for so long. It's not like you can just indefinitely run at this type of a rate. Otherwise, you're working kind of twice as hard for half the pay. Yeah, but that that that's where I think I'm not in. I'm not disagreeing with you. I I, I know what you're saying because you've said it before. But I will say, with that fifty percent, I was making far more than I was when my prices weren't at fifty percent by far, and I was working the same amount of time. It's just more things were selling, right? Maybe I was spending a little bit more time packing, but the reality is, is I I haven't even been listing as much now. Granted, I do have close to four thousand items in my store. Right. So could I run, you know, selling 40 items a day for I don't know how long, you know, (laughs) before I run out if I'm not sourcing? Yeah, I could do that. Right. But the reality is uh, right now, you know, when you're talking about when, you know, if the shoe drops is in order to be profitable, in order to be successful, like the prices have to change. Like for me, it's not an option. Like I am not. I'm not going back to how things were for six months. I'm going to ride this until the economy rebounds because I right now I don't believe people are going to be willing to pay the amount now. But what if it's seven years, right? Like your ability to source doesn't, you know, if you have to sell twice as much stuff, your ability to source twice as many things isn't necessarily, it's not like a, a the two don't go together, right? But if so, the cost is low, you're, you're golden, right? Yeah. If I'm, you, if, sure. If I'm but spending... The, I don't know, 50 bucks and I'm making, you know, $500 out of that $50 consistently, then I'm good. Right. Because that, that model works because there's less, there's low risk. You can buy up a lot of stuff, right. With that amount, right. With that profit, you can buy more and more. And, and by the way, on the other end, us as sellers becoming buyers, when we're at garage sales, when we're at, you know, the bins, when we're making local deals, wherever it is, it's a buyer's market there for us. Right. Right. So yeah. we, even though the, though the prices are going down, as far as, you know, what I'm selling, the prices of the items I'm sourcing are also going down. Yeah. I think the hard part is it's like, it's almost like the, the idea of if you're on almost like if you're on a fixed income, right? Like if you're on a fixed income, there's only so much you can do when prices are changing on things. So if you're in a situation where you live somewhere where, Hey, realistically, if I'm sourcing as pretty much as often as I could source, I'm probably only picking up 50 items a week that I can legitimately sell and be profitable on. Unless I'm picking up things I'm going to only make $5, $10. But like legitimate things is only like 50. And so if I have to sell those things for half what I used to be able to sell them for, I'm still like, it's not like, hey, now that I have to sell twice as much to make as much, now I'm just going to source 100 items a week instead of 50. It's like, you don't always have that like, hey, I could just source more items. It, you know what I'm saying? Like it's it's a tough I, thing. I like you have no, to do I, I it, but. it. I get it. And I, I'm speaking from a place of having a lot of stuff in my store. But if, if the rate you're going now, right? At the rate you're going now, you could probably make this work for like another year. As But even as your inventory drops, like let's say a year from now, you're down to 2,000 items in your store, right? Now your sales are going to slow down just from the, the, the math the math of it, of you've got fewer items people are looking for. Let's say it goes another year and you're able to keep it, you're short 1,500. Well, same thing. It's you. You can't write like if it takes seven years for the economy to correct. Can you consistently keep this up for seven years? Like See, that's where mind, the question my mind is. Has changed on that. I used to think, and if you listen, even like episode three or four, 
that you know you need a huge inventory pipeline, right? You need a lot of items in your store or you're not going to sell goods. But my my experience in the last two years in meeting a lot of resellers uh, that there are some that have more items sold than stores in their inventory. So they'll have like 500 items in their inventory over 90 days, right? At least their ending number at the 90 days, but they'll have a thousand items sold. So the sell-through rate is obnoxious. So they're sourcing, they're selling, selling, sourcing, selling, 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 and for good profit. And so that's what I mean. This is why this has been tough for me because I'm no longer looking at how many items I have in my store. I'm just looking at how many items I'm selling. And I'm going to do what it takes to get those items sold. Like, I, I, I just, I don't want to sit on stuff. Right now is not the time to sit on stuff. Yeah, and, I don't uh, disagree we'll see. with that. I mean, hey, this is the beauty of Pierre's podcast, right? We document. So in six yeah. months, I mean, there may be a podcast and saying, Orlando has sold everything. I can't find has, enough stuff. And he can't make any more money. And who knows? Who knows, right? Let us know in the comments your thoughts on this. I'm interested in this because... I, I do, I, again, I'm uncomfortable sharing all this because this is completely different than what I've talked about. This is why if you're listening to earlier podcasts, always make sure to understand, like, take what's relevant and understand things may become irrelevant. And I do mm-hmm. think some items that we discussed in the first 50 episodes are not the way anymore. This is the way. That's just my thoughts. Yeah, for now. Until you get another 300 episodes in, and we'll be like, what were we talking about back in episode 339? We're crazy. (laughs) But I I love having the discussion with you, Mike, because don't get me wrong. The entire time that I'm like selling all this stuff at 50% off, I'm hearing you say you're doing twice the work for the same amount of money. Like literally, it's as if your head was floating behind me saying this to me the entire time. Well, and here's the thing though. Like I honestly like, there's that aspect of it. But here's the other part is I, I've i also told you many times, like you've got too many things listed, probably priced too high. Like you mm-hmm. used to say you didn't mind if it took That's... 10 years to sell things. And I would always say like, hey, you, you probably need to lower this so it goes in the next couple of months. And if it doesn't go in the next couple of months, maybe you need to lower the price some more. You know, So so there's both aspects of it. I, I do think sell-through rate is really important. Now, if you're the kind of person that you can easily source a thousand items over a 90-day period that are all going to be selling through, hey, that's that's the dream, right? Like that's what you wanted. You didn't want yeah, to be sourcing a thousand items and only selling a hundred because you got the rest price so high that maybe five years down the road, one or two of those will sell. Like that's never the right model. I, I don't think, but I just, I think it's a tough position to be. in. I think people just have to recognize that maybe you do have to sell because the, it's like the diamonds in the rough, right? Like you say, okay, you could buy $50 of stuff and you sold it for $500. Well, that's the dream, right? Like if that if you were making that kind of profit all the time, and that does happen, you walk into a garage sale or to a thrift store and you find something for five bucks and it sells for like a hundred. And you're like, sweet, this was a killer deal. But I think more often than not, if you were trying to source at volume, you're probably sourcing things that like, hey, I bought this shirt for $5 and it's going to sell for $10 and I'm going to make a $3 profit or $2 profit by the time it's all said and done. But if I pick up, I can pick up like 40 different types of shirts like this one day at a thrift store okay, now all of a sudden it's worth it. So I think when you start moving in that kind of volume, because that's just the only way you could source because you got all the diamonds in the rough, now you just have to sell the rough, you know? Yeah, I agree. I, I think what I fell into was some cost fallacy, right? I had I kept these, these, these items. I had sourced so many items for so long. And I, I, I was going to say, you know what? No, I, I can't sell things at a loss, which they weren't at a loss, right? Me picking up something for five, and selling it for a hundred instead of the two hundred I wanted, isn't a loss. 
it's still a win. But in my mind, I had the sunk cost fallacy that no, it's it's not going to be beneficial to me to move this item, right? So you're right, you're right, and we've we've talked about it before. So you got to be careful. I mean, again, even even on social media, I'm trying to change the language uh, because if you look, if you go back to, we have over four thousand posts, but if you go to the posts in the first thousand, there's a lot about waiting for the right buyer, patience wins, da da da, and I'm not sure that's where we're at right now in this economy. Yeah. I, I do not think that wins. Yep. You need, you need that money, you need that capital. Uh, and then kind of, uh, I feel like we talked a lot about the, uh, where, where buyers are at on this and kind of, um, how things are now. Uh, and one thing that I think that we haven't covered yet, and I think it's important for us to talk about, uh, is buyers are more likely to cancel and return things. Uh, we always talk about, you know, return and, uh, after Christmas time, that's like a common thing that happens with people. Even if you go to somewhere like Walmart, you're going to see big long lines of people returning stuff. But more and more, just my experience personally, anecdotally, and then also people I've talked to um, on our Discord and other places is that buyers are, 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 are asking for returns for a lot of different reasons, right? Like maybe they're like, oh, this doesn't fit. Or sometimes they make things up. This, you didn't tell me about. And it's, you could just tell like, hey, these are people trying to get get a refund, get a return on things um, or cancel an item. Like I've had people buy an item and then ask for a request for a cancel shortly after or they rescind their offers. And things like buyer's remorse is going to hit a lot harder when you're you're tight on cash. If you're, if you're at a point where you're like, hey, I'm looking at my bank account and I've got to go get gas and you know I've got to go get groceries and it's it's looking tight. Maybe I shouldn't have bought that $50 baseball card or those shoes or that trucker snapback hat or whatever it is I bought for $100 or $50. Uh, they offer returns. Maybe I should send that back. You know, Because it, as the, the economy tightens, as things are starting to restrict, people are going to fill it. And buyer's remorse, if, if you've got a bunch of money coming in... I mean, we've, we're coming up on tax time right now. People are getting tax returns, which is always beneficial. I'm, I owe this year more than like last year actually was able to to get some money back, which was great. Uh, but this year I owe, and I think more people are moving to that direction. You could do pretty good during tax return times, but rest of the year when people don't just have a big chunk of money coming in, they weren't expecting uh, th- something like buyer's remorse hits harder. And so they're going to, to they, because they feel it. Cause if I have a bunch of money, if I just got $4,000 from the government and I buy something for 50 bucks and I'm like, eh, you know, I don't know if I'm actually going to wear this thing very often. Oh, well, whatever. I'm going to keep it. But if I've got, you know, only a few hundred dollars left in my bank account and payday isn't until Friday, uh, maybe I'm sending that thing back. So uh, I think that as we move into a tighter economy, people are going to be more likely to cancel, to want returns, to want refunds. Um, hopefully, all above water, they're not doing anything shady to try and you know get ref- yeah. refunds and stuff. But you just got to go with the flow. You know th- that's part of this what we're at right now, right? And I, I don't. I used to get super annoyed when people wanted to cancel. Actually, now I'm just like I'd rather have you cancel than have me ship it out. Yes, and since I do free returns it's going to cost me money because then I got to ship it back and I end up being at a loss. So please, please cancel before I ever ship anything else. Yeah. So, so just be aware, interested in your comments on this one. I, I feel like this is a very pivotal podcast out of all our podcasts. Cause at least for myself, I don't know if you feel that way, but I feel that way. Cause I, I, I believe we, I am speaking 
it's something that I have not spoken about ever. And uh, it, it's tough. It's tough. I never thought I'd be on this end. I was a big, like, you know, price it high and, and wait for best offer and, you know, all those things. And things have changed. Things have changed. Now, the reason we've been able to do uh, these 300 plus episodes is because of all of our awesome supporters. And if you haven't been uh, or haven't had the opportunity to support us yet, uh, we are on Patreon. And go to patreon.com slash podcast. And for $5.55 a month, uh, you can say thank you and just support our podcast. Uh, for example, Mike and I are, are not yet. He hasn't moved yet, but uh, he may, may be moving soon. And that's going to require more equipment. We're going to have to get another a soundboard and another mic and headphones and all those things. And we want to keep the quality of our podcast going. And that requires fun. So uh, if, if you like to support us, we greatly appreciate it. The bonus of that is you end up uh, joining our discord, which is a great place to be. Uh, we're always growing and we have all kinds of individuals there from people that are new to experience from Amazon sellers to eBay sellers to whatnot sellers to Mercari, Bonanza, Grill, Depop, every single platform on there. And uh, it's just a great place to be. Uh, and if you haven't had a chance uh, yet to uh, jump on over to YouTube uh, right now, you're just listening to the podcast, jump on over to YouTube, hit that subscribe button, uh, make sure to hit that bell notification so you're notified whenever we drop an episode and smash that like button. And real quick, you can follow us on all social media. We are Pure Soul Podcast and we are Pure Soul Cast on Twitter. As always, you can give us a call 619-738-1170. That's 619-738-1170. You can shoot us an email at purestpodcast at gmail.com. And always appreciate all the Apple iTunes reviews uh, because they definitely help us. And so what that means is you go to Apple iTunes, you go in there, you hopefully give us a five-star, and you write up why you like the podcast. It definitely helps us. We're almost at 700, Mike, and I wanted to share uh, yeah. three of them because I, I thought they were great. What were you going to say? I said, yeah. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> I eventually get used to it. Sometimes I'm wondering if you're hitting mute and like, so I'll mute when I need a cough because I don't want to destroy people. There you go. See, Mike, Mike is moving his mouth and nothing's happening. All right. So this comes from a French pug love. So I'm guessing a dog lover here. Uh, it says, so real. These guys yeah. are so real in caps. It's refreshing listening to their honest approach to all things reselling. I've learned so much from them. This is a must listen for anyone in reselling. Whether you're merely contemplating it or have been doing it for a decade, you will learn something. Thanks, guys, for the great podcast. Well, thanks, French Pug. Appreciate that. This comes to comes from, this is interesting, soon-to-be ex-player123. <laughs> I don't know what that means. <laughs> That's stumbled, pretty funny. I stumbled into this podcast after trying other eBay podcasts. These guys are genuine, insightful, and entertaining. They sell similar items as I do. Five out of five. Nice. The last one, I'll, I'll read two more here real quick. This is from Charlotte Rogers. I said, so very helpful. More than I thought to ask. Great information. Thank you. Thanks so much, Charlotte. And this one, I appreciate this one. Uh, this comes from MT929729. It says, love the hosts. Love listening while I'm at work. Keep them coming. Y'all have such a great rapport. Just starting out and learning lots. So always grateful to help people starting out. And I also love it when we hear from people that have been selling for a long time. And, you know, the interesting thing now is we're also having a lot of people that listen that aren't even resellers. They're just listening to, I don't know, to hear about our lives. Yeah, our, 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 our voices help put them to sleep, I think <laughs> whatever, is what that is. Whatever it is. Whatever it yeah. is. Speaking of, speaking of reviews, again, thank you guys all for the great reviews. Um, I was just yesterday, I was looking at um, some reviews of a place and 
uh, I saw the funniest review because it was like not I like it, it, you could tell it must have been somebody who just didn't know what they were doing. And the review said this and it was all like misspelled, but it said, I don't hate this place. I give it five stars. And it had a one star review. What? I was like, look, we sometimes on eBay talk about people giving you like positive review, but then they say something negative in a negative yeah, comment. This was like the you. opposite. Like it was a one star review, but it's like, I don't hate this place five stars but it's a one star review so we thank all of you for actually giving us legitimate five star reviews and not just you know saying it but hey listen if you want to write a five star review and you want to talk about how you hate our bald heads or whatever it is go for it because the five stars helps in the algorithm you know so it just i don't know what i'm inviting right now but don't do it don't invite it don't invite any of it don't invite it. Okay. All right. All right. So, you ready? Hey, do we have a? Uh, are we doing hustle of the week here? Do we have our? Uh, yeah. You want to sing on, it? hustlers? Oh, yeah. It's the freaking hustle of the week. Mike's on it. Thank you. All right, hustle of the week. Here we go. Uh, so our first one comes from. Before we start, do you want to just let people know? Unless you know, if we have new listeners, what we mean by hustle of the week, we're so used to sharing it all the time, but we never talk about what they are sometimes. Yeah. So, um, back when we first started the podcast, we uh, we came up with this idea of wanting to share other people's wins, uh, things that people have done, even our own, like big items people have found and sold for a lot of money, uh, cool experiences reselling that have just turned out to like maybe make a good connection, just like the wins, right? Because a lot of times there's negativity. Um, and a lot of times the things that are posted are almost like fake braggadocious. And this is like, we wanted a way to, to, to celebrate like real legitimate, like the things that we do every once in a while, like the treasures, not like, Hey, I'm a baller. I'm always getting these sales, but like, Hey, I found this cool thing. So we do these hustles of the week and, uh, we originally started the hashtag hustle of the week. Uh, we owned that hashtag and now I think that it's being used for all kinds of other stuff. So, uh, make sure you get in there, use the hashtag hustle of the week. And maybe tag Pearsall Podcast or do hashtag Pearsall Podcast with it. That way it helps to separate, separate you know, uh, that this is the Pearsall Podcast Hustle of the Week uh, hashtag. So uh, our first one comes from uh, Janet Bush from our YouTube comments. Uh, so went to a garage sale and picked up a vintage celery dish for a dollar. One of my least favorite vegetables. Uh, listed it on eBay and sold a vintage railroad restaurant where celery dish for $169. Holy smokes. I wouldn't, you couldn't even pay me $169 to eat celery. And here people are paying that much money to, 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 to buy dishes for dish. it. Holy smokes. <laughs> that's a, that's cool. Railroad restaurant where celery. I'm gonna have to check that out. I'm gonna have to look up uh, what, is it, if, if that's a brand or if that was just like a, a style. No, no, it's a, it's a, yeah, no, it was a celery dish and it was from like a railroad restaurant. So All right. I think both of those pieces made it valuable. Yeah. Because there's a lot of celery dishes that don't sell for a lot. Now, there are certain dishes that look like a lettuce, like a lettuce plate or something. And I think those are money, too. Mm. So let us know in the comments. Janet, if you're in the comments, expound on this a little bit. That, that would definitely help us. All right. This one comes from Michael from Instagram handle. We underscore R underscore thrift stars. Bought a box of electronics at a local auction for $65. Sold four within the $30, $50 range. But the main one was a Iowa AIWA, in case you guys don't know, from back in the day, cassette player, also known as a Walkman, HP dash, I think it's a Walkman, HT dash PO2 MK2 for parts untested and sold for $743 plus shipping, made over $900 profit on the box and still have some 
left over. So that is crazy. I got to tell you, vintage Walkmans do really well. Like all, especially if they're Sony, I've never sold an Iowa one. So that one is, is definitely interesting to me. But here's the thing. If you find things that are like first generation or, you know, like the prototypes, whatever, they're worth money. Yes. And this is a, this is a Walkman. So I'm looking at the pictures right now and yeah, it looks, it looks old. So Keep an eye out for those Walkmans, but that that seven hundred something dollars for a Walkman, that that is that's is what. Think about how many people that had those in the eighties and just like tossed them when they stopped working. Yeah, so, this is not good. It's nice not good. work there, Michael. All right, our next one is Streberson from Discord. Found a hat frozen in ice by the post office a few weeks ago. What? Right, like. That stuff happens every once in a while, right? Like we sometimes find stuff, uh, you know, uh, on the side of the road and, you know, no shame, no shame in our game. We're resellers, man. Some of my my, my best question on this one was, and I should have asked in Discord, like, did he chisel it out? Like, what does he mean frozen in ice? Yeah, yeah. it's, uh, was it just sitting uh, on top of snow or was it like, I think there's something in there and yet you hammer and chisel and uh, who knows, but the work will do, you know, um, I'm not above getting in a trash can. I haven't done it in a long time, but, uh, you know, if it came down to it, I would do it. So anyways, figured he would give it a shot, throw it up on eBay, sold a vintage dead stock universal blue corduroy snapback hat for $39.99 plus shipping. So we're talking free frozen merchandise that you're selling for $39.99. That's the kind of profit that that's the best profit. Right, that's that's infinite profit. Not really, the but you know what I'm saying. The thing about this hat is when when I read Universal Blue, I thought like Universal Studios. No, I don't know why they put why he, he put Universal Blue, but it's just a blue corduroy hat. Hmm. Like there's nothing special about it. Maybe Universal is the brand, like the like the tag. Maybe, I might have just said maybe, Universal. Maybe, maybe, but still, brought from ice to life to money. Nice. That's uh that's some Encino Man stuff right there. <laughs> oh my goodness uh speaking of brendan frazier man that guy made a comeback all right um mike what do you got for your hustle of the week uh so mine isn't uh super exciting but i picked up a while back my wife and i found uh well i found it my wife actually did the pickup locally uh a bunch of like homeschooling stuff and this was before the the 2020 incident stuff happened and more and more people started moving towards homeschool and so we picked up, uh, it was actually, I think, a daycare that was closing. And so we were kind of thinking, oh, this stuff should sell because the home- homeschooling stuff is a bolo. Uh, and so we picked up a whole bunch of like kid games, like preschool stuff. And they had these things called versatiles. I think I've talked about them before. Uh, it's kind of like a, a book system and they u- use tiles to like show your answers. And there's like 10 tile sets in each one of the boxes. Uh, and then the book sets, there's like five or six copies of 10 different books. Like, so it's like a basically a class set of books and tiles in like a small little container. And, uh, we picked these up. We paid $30 for like eight sets of them and a couple of them were incomplete. So we just took the tiles out and have been selling those separately. Uh, but I just got an offer, which is what made me think about it, uh, for, I've had these listed for a while. I'm kind of running towards the end of how many I have now. Uh, but I have them listed, I think for $89 for the box. And plus I have shipping like $20 shipping. And I just got a 60 some dollar offer. And so I'm like, yeah, I'll take it, right? I paid $30 for a whole bunch of these. So I would say the cost of this exact box was probably four bucks, three bucks, four bucks once I add all of the, the total that I put in. 
Uh, and so to sell it for 60 some odd dollars for a $4 buy, that is the way to go. Hey, it's all good. I mean, I, I always listen. When you buy, buy things for super low and sell them at high, and then you, you know, you take the time and realize that it's easier to part it out or sell parts, it's still a win. It's always a hustle of the week. Yep. So, all right. So, mine, I, I've had a lot of like big items like sell recently, but this one was a hard one to let go. So, a few weeks ago, it was one of those days where I only went to three garage shows because there weren't many. And at one of them, there wasn't a lot of stuff. There was just, you know, a hanger. Like, not a hanger. I don't know what you call those that hold a bunch of clothes. A clothing rack. It was a clothing rack, whatever. Now they're a clothing rack. And I had gone through it, and there wasn't much, but there was this one Nintendo shirt. And I was looking at it and it said, like, you know, Donkey Kong 64. And, and if you know anything about your Nintendo history, you know, uh, the N64 <laughs> isn't something current. It's something from the 90s. And so I looked at this shirt, and sure enough, it passed the test. It had the single stitch. Uh, it had obviously the tag. It obviously, you know, had the nice graphic print. Uh, it had every everything it needed. And so I looked it up and I was like, oh my goodness, this shirt is like a grail shirt. Now, not grail like in the top hundreds or thousand dollar shirts, but it's a shirt that people are looking for. And you would have never known, you know, what it was because if you just looked at just the tag, just the tag with it, there's nothing special about the tag. The tag's an all sports events tag. So it's it's not like a vintage, you know, I don't know. We could, I can list out a bunch of, of names, but it, it wasn't like, let's say, a vintage champion tag or anything like that. It was just a generic tag. But remember, lots of vintage shirts were just generic companies that printed these shirts, right? What makes them valuable is when they were made, the graphic, the fact that they're single stitch. So this was a promo shirt for Donkey Kong 64, uh, and it was a size large, and I paid 50 cents for this shirt. You know, it's the only time I didn't care about having to, you know, change in my pocket. I hate it when I go to garage sales and, like, somebody wants a dollar twenty-five, and it's like, really? You can just give it to me for a dollar? Well, this was 50 cents. And so... Paid 50 cents, listed on eBay, took a couple months. No, not even a couple months. Took about a month, and it sold in a bulk buy to uh, somebody out East Coast for $100. So 50 cents to $100. I probably could have gotten like 120 140 but I had to follow my principle of, you know, it's the buyer's market, and I was willing to let it go for 100 bucks. So, uh, yeah, keep an eye. Vintage shirts are still selling. I know the market's a little different there, but if you find the right shirt, People are willing to buy. Yeah, good stuff. All right, so that's our hustles of the week. Now, a way for me to track the profit from that 50 cents to 100 has been my reseller genie. And my reseller genie has been a great tool. You know, whenever I go to garage sales, I list my items. And then after I list my items, I go into my reseller genie. And then they're already posted. And I just put how much each item costs. And at the end of the month, or end of the week, or, you know, whenever it is, or maybe I forgot how much an item that sold for a lot of money, you know, how much I picked it up for, it, all the data is in there. And I can put in my mileage in there. I can put in my expenses for office equipment, my expenses, you know, when I, when I go sourcing or software, whatever you want. It's a great way to do bookkeeping. If you haven't started your bookkeeping for 2023, you know, it is April. 
but you still have another eight months to go. Why not get signed up with my reseller genie? Uh, go to the link below and use our code Pure Hustle, all in caps, and get 15% off your first month. Again, go to my reseller genie in the link below. Use our promo code Pure Hustle for 15% off the first month and keep every dollar that you make instead of it going somewhere else. Yeah, man, I tell you what, I was just working on taxes the other day. <clears throat> Ugh, I hate doing taxes. It's one of my least favorite things in life. I hate it I know, so that's much. That's why I'm waiting until August. I hate it so much, but things like my reseller genie definitely make it easier. It's like, if you've got to go through a terrible experience, you might as well have something that's going to make the experience (laughs) a little more enjoyable. So, and listen, we've had a lot of uh, our listeners sign up for my reseller genie. So if, if you signed up for my reseller genie and it helped you out a lot, let us know in the comments so other people can go, you know what? It is. It's a great tool. I mean, you know, because we can say this all day, but if we can get our community to talk about it in the Discord, people all the time are like, hey, we picked up my reseller genie. It's been a great tool. So definitely uh, check it out. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about how to adapt now, which we kind of talked about a little bit. So, you know, this might not be a super long conclusion, but right now I'm in a place that running deep sales are not an option. And I'm not saying all the time, right? You could all the time. Actually, it's funny. There's a there's somebody I've bought stuff from. Uh, I had to go on a on a business trip, uh, not for eBay, but for, on the education side, and I had to you know look all like uh, you know I don't know dignified or whatever. So I had to get a nice you know dark blue polo jacket and some nice British khakis and and all that. And somebody had like an eighty percent off sale on their inventory. I'm not saying go eighty. That that's wild. But guess what? I bought everything from that person. Why? Because they had the deals right now. Maybe they sold at a loss possible, or maybe they got a garage sales or the bins, or maybe they got a connection. But the thing is, it caught my eye right away, right? They had it sponsored. So obviously you should be promoting your listings, but they had it sponsored. They had that sale and automatically I didn't have to look for the coupon code or anything. The sale is right there. So that's the other thing I will mention. I had talked about, I've been running sales, but also coupons on top of those sales. And when I experimented between the two, I sold way more by just having a deeper sale than having a sale and having a coupon. And I think it's because a lot of people see the, you know, let's say it's a 20% off sale and you offer a 15% off coupon. They're only seeing the price with the 20% off. But if you offer a 35% sale, they're looking at that price with the 35% off, which is more enticing than a 20% off sale. So I do encourage people maybe, you know, do coupons every once in a while, but you know, it's, it's the, it's the price. It's the number that they see. What are your thoughts on that, Mike? Yeah, no, I think, I think that's good. Um, Again, it's that psychological impact of, of what, what people are seeing right off the bat. Now, if they're willing to do the math and say, Hey, if I, it's 20% off, but then there's also this coupon and this is how much I'll get it for. But a lot of people are just looking at that first number because you got to get the click, right? Like you, it's it's that like idea of almost clickbait. Like you got to get the click yep. initially on your item and someone to look at it before they would even recognize a coupon. So coupons definitely have their place. They can be very useful. In fact, they're they're useful if you just have them running on your store on certain items where people can get the deal. A lot of times people won't use the coupon. So it's like there for those who are those couponers who really want deals. But then people who maybe aren't paying attention, um, you know, you're, you're not necessarily losing money that you could make. So it's kind of cool. It's almost like a reverse uh, uh, promoted item listing, right? Like where it sold, you offered a coupon, but they didn't take it. So you're like, sweet. Like I actually kept a little bit more money on this sell. Um, and then that kind of goes along with uh, 
just good business practices. Like one of them is sending offers. You should always be sending offers as often as you can, as quickly as you can. We've talked about reasons for that. Um, there is that buyer's remorse, but then there's also that that time people are going to be thinking about an item. If somebody's heavy browsing an item, they're looking at an item quite a bit. They've just added it to their car or their watch list. You want to you want to snag them then in order to buy. Uh, because if you give them a few days, uh, things change. The excitement, the uh, the dopamine of this thought of this new item is going to start to to diminish, and then reality sets in, and they're less likely to buy it. So you want to send offers as soon as you can, and then you also want to take offers. And there's a lot of reasons for that as well. So taking offers helps trigger that algorithm. It's going to increase the sell through rate of your store. It's going to show eBay that you're a store that's making them money. Because if you've got a million items in your store, but you're only selling one every month, the, eBay doesn't care how many items you have listed. I mean, they actually, they, they do. They're making a bunch of money off of the, the listing fees, I guess. But they would rather make money off of the final value fees Agreed. off of all of those sales. So you want to have that, accept those offers because then eBay is going to promote your store because they're going to see you as a store that's making them money. And that's the bottom line is if you can make eBay money, eBay is more likely to, to side with you, help you. Their computer systems are going to be pushing you in the algorithm. Uh, so accept those offers, even if it's a low offer. And you might be thinking, hey, I was hoping to get $100 for this item. Somebody offered me $60. But if, if, if you're in a place where you need the bunny, take the offer. It'll help your store. And then also, like Orlando mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, the fact that it's a buyer's market can actually help us in areas like... I don't think thrift stores have quite got there yet, but at garage sales and, and local deals definitely have where you can go to a garage sale and people are willing to sell their stuff for a little bit cheaper because, again, they're trying to move stuff and make money. So if that $60 today profit off of that item is going to be more valuable than waiting six more months to maybe get that 100 because you could have been buying more, sourcing more items. So definitely accept those offers. Yeah, agree. And listen, to add to that, you know, it, it pains me when I see somebody on YouTube or, or somebody on social media talking about, you know, they had they sent out 300 offers last night. Like they waited till the end of the month and they sent out all those offers. Now, a lot of those offers are going to convert, but you've also lost a lot of them. Sometimes some offers disappear because like Mike had said, you're, people are heavy browsing. That's what eBay says. Or they, they're looking at an item a certain amount of time within 15 minutes. And that's the time of strike. Because I've had it before where I had like eight send offers because I always clean them out every every hour pretty much. And I had eight and then... You know, I didn't get to them because I was, you know, hanging out with my family or whatever. And I go back and there's only three because five of those people walked away and were like, yeah, never mind. I don't want this anymore. So you want to strike when the time is right. And you want to take offers. You want, listen, if you bought an item for a dollar and you're selling it for a hundred and somebody offers you 50 to 60 bucks, I would say take it. In this, in this amount of time right now, unless it's something that you, you struggle, you know, letting go or something you really aren't looking forward to, you know, shipping and, you know, doing all that packaging, I would take it. I would take it. You're making a 50X. You're making a 60X, right? Might as well move that inventory because this is the place we're in. So the last thing here is responsiveness and great customer service. So at a time right now, people are looking for you know, deals, but they're also looking for some someone that they can trust, right? Like you had said, you know, people aren't using money necessarily that they may not have or they don't have a lot of, right? So who are they more likely to go to? Well, if they message somebody, somebody gets them right away and answers their question right away, or they want to make a deal right away, you're going to be able to connect and make that sale with them, especially during this time. In general, you will, but 
especially in this time. I have an example here. It's funny. Uh, somebody had commented and said, hey, hi there. eBay says this jacket is used. Is it? Thanks. And unfortunately, it wasn't used. It was new, but somehow I put it as used. And so I said, it is brand new. Sorry about the confusion. They said, thanks for the fastest reply ever. Emoji, emoji, emoji. And I said, you're welcome. Then after they did that, I sent them an offer. So on the app, on the bottom left, there's that plus sign. So I went to the plus sign. I said, hey, if you're still interested, here's an offer. And so I offered them 100 and whatever, 140 bucks. The Jack only paid, you know, I, I didn't pay a lot for it. And they said, thanks for the offer accepted from your new friend in the UK. And boom, right there, right? New, a new buyer, maybe a new loyal customer. Maybe a new friend. Maybe, maybe if you're ever in the UK, you can, uh, you can stay at their house instead of having to get an Airbnb. There you go. There you go. So that, that would be, that would be kind of cool. I mean, you know, obviously (laughs) I always wonder what people think when I go over their places, you know, like anyways, you know, cause I've had people reach out to me and say, Hey, you know, if you can come over, like we do garage so you can hang out at our house. And I'm like, you only know me as the guy from the podcast. You know what I mean? Maybe I have weird quirks about me. So, <laughs> so anyways, but that's the thing, right? That quick connection, right? Being courteous, going above and beyond in that customer service and dropping in that offer converted that sale. And I've had many of those in the last uh, few weeks. So, at this point in time now, you want to develop trust with buyers, especially when their cash flow is limited. So you have anything else you want to add, Mike? No, I think that's good. I think that's good. I think so we uh, hope- I think we covered the basis. Yeah. So hopefully, you know, this will challenge a lot of you. If you think we're dead wrong or I'm dead wrong, this is mainly my opinion, <laughs> Mike. Uh, Mike, you know, going back and forth with me because, you know, we don't always agree and that's good. Uh, let us know in the comments. I really like to know what people are thinking. Uh, you know, how are sales for you guys? Are, are they fast? Have you switched things up and, and sales have improved? Uh, because right now, I, I feel like the common theme all throughout, you know, YouTube and everything is that sales are slow. But I can tell you there are a lot of resellers that things are going well. And I think part of it is that they've learned to adapt. So with that being said, make sure to be real. Be relevant. And be reselling in this new buyer economy. Late. Peace.